Well, what was it about? Attack of the Kettle? So, uh, this movie starts, like, the kettle has this magic seal on him, and then someone accidentally, like, takes the seal off, and the kettle comes to life and wants to, like, kill everybody. (laughs) What kind of kettle are we talking about? Like, a kettle and pot? Or, like... You know that popcorn kettle at movie theaters? It's, like, the big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, that thing comes to life? How do you how do you even do that? I mean, you got it moving around. I mean, like- so we had really bad flash animation. <laughs> like we took a picture of it and we moved it around the screen, and it looks really. And what is what does this kettle do? It, it hurts. It, it shoots like fireballs. <laughs> it shoots Okay, guys, welcome to Thor and the Boy, the podcast. What's up? What's up? This is episode one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so my name is Boynton Pack. Um, I'm an actor here in the Bay Area, and this is Michael Thordeson. Hello. Hence the name Thor and the Boy, because the first three letters of my name is Boy. I went by that growing up, but but my name is Boynton. I just thought. We could kind of throw that throw into... Throw some fun nicknames in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah people have called me Floor in the past, so it's kind of... So it's interesting, because your nickname's from, like, your first name, and then mine's from my last name. So. Yeah, that's right, that's right. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I used to have a podcast um, back in the days with my old co-host, who's also an actor. His name is Derek Crow, And... Um, we did it for about a year and a half, and it it, it went well, um, but, and I think we were on our way to do like two episodes um, per month, and then COVID hit, and all of a sudden we weren't doing any episodes, right? And then when we finally started doing the episodes again, the frequency was like more like one every two months, if that, and then... You know, uh, Eric, no, Derek. Derek moved over to Los Angeles to pursue uh, his acting career further and also found another better paying job over there or whatnot, right? So that's what happened. Um, if you want to l- learn a little bit more about me and my um, acting background, it's going to come alive throughout the episode. I think we'll talk a lot about it. Yeah, so. and... And if you want to know more deeply about that, you can go to Backstage Confession podcast on um, Spotify. It's we're still we're still there. there. I don't think it is. Last time I checked, I because I ah okay, well because I think he what the subscription he didn't renew it, so it got taken down. Because I looked for it. Well, then you guys will know nothing about me. Yeah, no. Um, but it's going to come out. Uh, look, put it plain and simple. I'm going to give you a quick rundown. I've been an actor here in the Bay Area for six, seven years. I'm non-union. So if we talk about doing films, don't crucify us because of the strike because we are not SAG. No, we're pretty indie. So <laughs> we're pretty indie. And on top of that, 
we also make zero money for a lot of the uh, film work we do. And a lot of the money that I do make in this industry is from non-union, industrial, commercial, that type of work. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I know a lot of people are getting a attacked if they're producing stuff while this strike is going on. So I just thought I'd preface that, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, look, you're, it's your first time at my place. Yeah, where It's a very nice amazing. spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I thought you lived more outside of the city, but you're kind of like on the edge, it feels like. I am. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could literally walk over to San Francisco. I'm like... <laughs> I'm just on that on the edge, yeah, right? On, yeah. Once I go down Mission Street right there, I'm I'm in San Francisco. Francisco, yeah. baby. Yeah, I, I go to the McDonald's like right down the street, and it's when I look at my debit card charge, it's San Francisco, <laughs> and it's like right down the street. So yeah, I live. Um, it's a McDonald's app, right, for the deals? You know, I don't use it as much as I should, um, but the deals on there. Pretty good. Everybody tells me that. Everybody tells me that. So check this out. This morning, I asked uh, Thor, uh, "Do you want a coffee or anything?" Right? Yes. <laughs> so <the> okay. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. I'll let you go with it. But <laughs> so the, here, I thought. So I, I thought maybe like like okay. I, I was honestly, I was gonna go to McDonald's. Right. I thought he was gonna say. I'll take a coffee, two creams, and a sugar, something like that, right? Uh-huh. His answer was, <laughs> I like a strawberry acai refresher if you're going to Starbucks. I assume that's where most people go for coffee is Starbucks. Uh, I, you know, I just get plain old coffee. I mean, sometimes I do go to Starbucks, but... Uh, you know, I'll get gas station coffee. Sometimes I'll get Phil's coffee, Starbucks coffee. But it's always just coffee. I never... Well, no. I've been getting some of the seasonal drinks. So, anyway. Okay. But, but <laughs> like, this morning I was really thinking about just coffee, right? So, I asked you your ETA. You say it's going to be roughly about an hour. So, I'm like, okay. Um, I'm going to go to Starbucks. And Starbucks is, like, a couple miles away from me. And it's in this uh, shopping center that has Lucky uh, over there. So, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get my uh, iced coffee that I buy from for home, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to get some donuts, right? And I look at the donuts, and I'm like, hmm. I never really eat donuts because I can really go to town on them. So oh, I was thinking, okay. like, there's a couple of donuts, and I'm like, they're like $1.50 each. Because I usually can only do one or two, and then I'm, I feel pretty good. <laughs> They're $1.50 each, but you get a dozen for 10 bucks. So you get quite a discount. You know, it's like, that's how, that's I'll how they just get, get the dozen. Yeah. yeah, that's how they get you. So I go and get the donuts. Um, I pay for it. And as I'm paying for it, I'm paying for it with all my dollar bills at the self-checkout. Oh, is it cash only? Oh. No, no. But, you know, I made a bunch of tips last night. Okay. I'm also a bartender, so... I had a whole bunch of ones. So you, I'm putting the ones in and there's this like elderly man, like he's next in the self-checkout line and all of them are full. Uh -huh. And I'm in the one like uh, closest to him. 
And he's just like giving me this death stare as I'm putting 17 ones into the machine to pay for my coffee and my donuts. Like, (laughs) 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 he's looking at me like I'm wasting the most amount of time. And I get it. I get it. And, you know, I could have pulled out my debit card, but my wallet, when my, your wallet gets that thick, you want to get rid of all the contents. So I purchased the coffee and donuts after his death stare. Um, and then I go over to Starbucks, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm about to buy your uh, strawberry acai <laughs> refresher. And then um, I, as I'm paying for it, um, I pull cash out of my wallet to throw some throw a tip inside the tip jar or whatever there's a little box where they accept tips and i throw a bill in there and the guy was like oh wow thanks man i was like and i look i look what i threw in there i threw a five dollar bill in there i was like um actually i meant to give you this and i switched it i put the dollar he's like Oh, no, that that's cool. And I was like, oh, oh so you, you traded it out. Actually, I, tra- I traded it out <laughs> because initially he was so excited. And I was just like, I should have just left that $5 bill in there. I was just like, these guys bust their ass. And I know not everybody is into tipping culture with I'm a bartender. It's bad juju if you are in the tipping industry and you don't tip. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 bad. And I thought about it. I was just like, these guys like are super busy. So I had to wait a while for that <laughs> refresher. <laughs> but then I, 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 I thought, I was like, man. At least you didn't put like a 20 in there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, then I'm definitely taking it back. I'm not, I'm not going to think twice about that. But uh, it was a $5 bill. I was like, man, I should have just left that in there. And the guy seemed so happy when, when I threw that in. Okay. I think I would have just left it in there at that point. It's well, like, <laughs> well, well, good for you. <laughs> it would have been too awkward for me to be like, oh, I'm sorry, well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but you know, so, like, I didn't even look in my wallet to see what I was throwing because I had, like, a stack of ones in there, and that's what I paid for uh, the, the iced coffee and donuts with earlier. So I thought in my head there was only ones in there. I was like, oh. There's a couple of eyes in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I accidentally threw it in there. Well, so. At least you yeah. gave him something. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I know a lot of people don't tip. So Yeah, you know, um It's hard because like everywhere is like asking you for a tip, like like fast food restaurants. They're there it's it's everywhere. So it it bothers me. And it doesn't bother me and it bothers me for very selfish reasons because I've been in an industry where it was customary to like tip, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, bartenders have always received tips, at least in this country since, I don't know, since I've ever been alive, since my parents have been alive, it's always been a part of the culture. But what's happening now is since the tipping option on those screens, Mm -hmm. it's become so ubiquitous that now people are almost in a way 
retracting their tips from any situation, mm-hmm. which, again, for my own selfish reasons, rubs me the wrong way because now it could be affecting our bottom line yeah, as bartenders. It's kind of diluting yeah. everything. But now, but at the same time, now it's giving an option for other people that generally didn't receive tips to receive a tip. And that is a good thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, mixed about it. Yeah. yeah. It is weird. Like when you go to Popeye's and then they're like, is there, is it at Popeye's too? One by my house. Like there's, yeah, it asks you for a tip and I'm kind of like, uh, cause Popeye's is already kind of expensive. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Okay, well, let, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Where is your favorite... Um, don't worry, we'll talk about the industry soon, but we, we got to talk about other... We got to talk about the food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, out of all the fried chicken uh, spots, where would you say is your favorite? Like, like I'm, I'm talking about, like, chain restaurants. Chain? Like, not, not like a mom-and-pop spot, but I'm talking about, like, chain fast food... Um, Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Um, Popeyes is pretty good. Like if you get the spicy tenders, okay. And then their biscuits, like depending on how fresh you get the biscuit, like the biscuit can be like really good. But then sometimes you know you, you get a not so fresh biscuit, which is still pretty tasty, but it's not five <laughs> star. <laughs> Thank you for the specifics. Sometimes it's tasty. Sometimes it's not so tasty, and. It- the spicy one's good. Um, yeah, so Popeye's is up there. Uh, Chick-fil-A is also pretty good. What are your thoughts on Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A, so the thing with Chick-fil-A is you're, it, it's, it's made well, um, but you're not getting the actual pieces of the chicken. They're all either tenders or nuggets, right? Yeah. And um, I think what really makes um chick-fil-a good is actually the sauce i mean they have so many great sauces there's the chick-fil-a sauces um one of my favorites so is the polynesian sauce that- the buffalo's my go-to oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh, you know you could actually depending on your mood pick any of them and they're all really good so um, i think their chick-fil-a sandwich is better than popeyes but i think popeyes has the better tenders you know, that's weird you say that. I actually think Popeye's has a better sandwich. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think they have a better sandwich than Chick-fil-A. But um, I think the tenders at Chick-fil-A are better. Mm, yeah. Okay, we're flipped. We're flipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Um, but you know what I order a lot at Chick-fil-A now? What? I order uh, the salad. The Cobb salad. salad, okay. It's actually very filling. And again, they got their sauces down because um, the dressing that they have there is, I think it's called a avocado lime ranch dressing. Dude, best dressing bar none in the world. I could dump that on anything. You know, I, I even sometimes ask them for extra dressing just so I could dip some nuggets in there. So here's, here's, here's what I do. What I do is I order the salad. Then I get a side of tenders, right? And then I, I rip apart some of the tenders, throw it in there for some extra... Ch- this is this is uh, your life hack? Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is my life hack. And then I'll eat 
a couple of the tenders on the side, but now I have extra chicken in my salad. And, and by the end of that meal, I feel I'm like super full. Mm -hmm. Like you feel satisfied. I'm not even like a big salad person. I, I do enjoy salads, but, um, you wouldn't, when you think of like a nice salad, you don't think of fast food chains. And I think, I think uh, Chick-fil-A has a solid salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on the topic of food. Um, okay. Chicken, um, okay. Have you ever been to Dave's Hot Chicken or like? Um... No, I think I've seen them around. Where where, where, where do you find one of those? Um, it started in LA and they've opened up a few locations in the Bay Area. There's two that opened in San Jose and um, it's like the chicken place you get like two tenders but then you pick your spice level oh dude i can't do spice though okay. yeah i can't handle spicy but you could probably get it mild yeah there's like a zero spice yeah but that one's pretty good and then have you been to raising canes no i've seen those spots too i i just haven't tried one of them yeah there's only one in oakland and um, they actually had to like shut down the lobby because oh. there was too many car break-ins oh. happening in the parking lot. So yeah. they went to like drive-through only. Got it. Got it. So got it's kind it. of a pain to like go there because then you have to like sit in the drive-through. Yeah. But um, the thing I love about Raising Cane's is the Texas toast. Like, mm. it's like the perfect piece of bread. Right. <laughs> there you have it. You go to the chicken place. For the Texas toast, yeah. <laughs> the stuff that you could buy off the shelf in grocery stores. Well, once you have it, you'll you'll okay. you'll. Okay, I'll have a deeper appreciation yes. for their Texas toast. But the interesting thing about Raisin Cane's is they only have like one sauce, which is their like special Raisin Cane sauce. Okay. Okay. So you don't get like you know at Chick Fil A you can pick or Popeyes they have all the the sauce flavors okay got it, got it. so you kind of i got to admire them for being like we made this and yeah. you go, you're gonna like it yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you oh um fried chicken we're staying on this topic okay. have you ever tried uh jollibees oh where's that so there's a couple locations here in daily city so it's actually um it's a filipino fried chicken chain and Daily City has the, I think, um, the largest Filipino population in the United States. If I'm correct, I, I think that's the case. Um, and I do see quite a, a few Filipinos in Daily City. And um, what it is, is um, it's really good fried chicken. I mean, they do the batter really well. I, look, I, I don't know the terms. It's really good, but it's they give, they give you this uh, a side of gravy with it. And the whole thing is to dip that chicken in the gravy and eat it. And it is absolutely delicious. And I think I think you got to give it a try. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one of these days after the show, we could go grab some fried chicken. <laughs> Jolly Bee's fried chicken. Yeah. So, Boyton, uh, have you done any acting recently? Any projects? So, um, I haven't acted since June. since June okay what was the last thing you worked on uh the very last thing I worked on was um a film that still has not been released it's called Agent of Solitude and that was uh directed by Michael Fredinelli who is also acting in that that's film. the spy film yeah okay yeah. 
or along that genre, you know. And um, I played uh, a bomb maker. Yeah. And uh, he he gave me a lot Michael Fredinelli he gave me a lot of freedom to kind of play with this character um and the type of persona that he had he let me um really just kind of think about how I wanted this guy to behave and um how eccentric I wanted him to be and what type of mannerisms this guy might have and even like the inflection of his voice and his accent everything mm -hmm. um and I, I love that Michael Fredinelli usually gives us that uh, freedom. Yeah, to kind of kind of play with it, you know. Um, and I had a great time. I mean, uh, a lot of really uh, talented actors were in it. Um, uh, one of the leads, um, he's uh, somebody that I met for the very first time. His name slips my mind, but uh, he's uh, one of the main characters and he did a fantastic job it's a it's great because every time i'm on a new film set you get to meet new talent i mean i see a lot of the same talent too uh, which is awesome because you get to feel a little bit closer with them as you work with them in more projects but um every time you see somebody that's kind of new and extremely talented i'm like where's this person been the whole time it's always fun to meet like a new face that's like someone that like you see a lot of potential in and they're like really good yeah so yeah and uh i see it all the time i mean look uh, a lot of the films out here in the bay area um they do have more of um a shoestring budget you know so there's not as much money going into the films as there are like down in los angeles where there's a ton of funding behind it so it's it's um, very impressive to see what can be done if you have an ambitious director mm -hmm. with like really talented people cast in the film. It's it goes beyond what you think could potentially be done with such a small amount of money. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's creative thinking too, because yeah. um, even. Because on the like, if you have a really big budget, you have a lot of investors, and they don't want you to take risks because they want to make a return. So, if lower budgeted projects, you have more opportunity to kind of take more creative risks yeah. and do something different. Because right, right. that's why I think you see like Disney is in this rut of just kind of like remaking all their animated classics. Yeah. And it's kind of like backfiring on them a little bit because people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what, what I miss, man? Like uh, on the topic of Disney, mm -hmm. I miss 2D animation. I know, right? <laughs> I am tired of all this computer animated stuff. I mean, look, it's, it's cool once in a while, right? But like, to me, like, like 2D animation is so much more pleasing to the eye and it's timeless it's like yeah, yeah. even if you even if you look back at like snow white it still looks good like today <laughs> and i i just feel like they're just kind of running out of ideas man like i'm just like 
it's and they're they're kind of using the same formula yeah, for exactly. everything i'm like eh, okay that's what it is you know and that, that's with everything look i don't watch many disney films or anything like that it's just not my thing mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you know all the ones that i do like are like the old ones you know like uh, I, I love Aladdin, you know. And, uh, Lion King. Yeah, Lion King is one of my favorites. Lion King is is my favorite actually out of all of them. So, well, um, if you like two D animation, then you'll be excited to see Scorned Waifu. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I don't watch animation like too too often. Like, I think the last thing I watched was Demon Slayer, and I, I watched. Okay, okay. The very first season, and then I stopped. Oh, so you didn't see the second season? Yeah, and yeah, and that's not because I didn't like the first season. I loved the first season, but it just—I'm very stubborn about starting another season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's with anything. That's not just with. <laughs> an- you have to be like ready to binge that season. Exactly, and that's with any kind of television show. That's not just with anime. Um, but I thought Demon Slayer was very well done, and um, I've seen a lot of anime that has horrible animation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the art is nice. You, you see, like, the techniques they'll use, and it's funny, because, like, sometimes they'll just have this, like... You can tell it's, like, a drawing. Yeah. <laughs> they just cut to it when the characters are talking, so they don't have to, like, lip-sync them, or they'll show the back of their head. Kind of lazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I've seen some of that, but uh, Demon Slayer is one of those ones I was just like, um, it was written very well. Like the storyline's awesome. Um, uh, what I don't I don't remember the character's name, but there's that one character. He's like timid. Oh, the blonde guy. Yeah, yeah, and then and then he turns into a complete yeah. badass. Yes. Like, it was like, doesn't he go to sleep or something? I think yeah, it's. He has, like, I don't know, like, a different personality that kind of awakens yeah. inside of him. Yeah, and he becomes, like, one of the most ruthless, like, whatever, samurais or whatever you might call it, demon slayers you've ever seen. So, yeah, that that was a good one. Um, but I, I do watch, like, cartoons, but I, I like watching adult cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one that I still watch like on a daily basis, actually, is King of the Hill. Oh, King of the Hill is a classic. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy because I think about King of the Hill and it lasted what um, I think thirteen seasons, something like that, right? And people always talk about Simpsons. People talk about Futurama. People. Oh my god. Oh my god. I mean, I I used to watch Family Guy all the time, but not as much anymore. But like King of the Hill is this one. It was so successful. Yet nobody ever talks about it. I don't, I don't it has a cult following. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I so. guess. So. But it's like, like a cult, a cult following following would imply that it wasn't successful in a like a in a real broad, you know, like for thir- thirteen seasons. That's not. That's not cult. That means people watched it, <laughs> dude, and it was successful for thirteen seasons. That's not just a cult following. It was a successful show. But I just don't hear anybody talk. I talk about it all the time because, I mean, with people listen who will to listen talk. to me talk about it. <laughs> but, um, 
No, it's it's a good one. There's some good jokes in there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite uh, character was uh, Bobby Hill. Bobby Hill. Yeah. Um, Pamela Adlon did the voice of Bobby Hill. Oh, okay. Yeah, the entire time, and um, yeah, <laughs> that kid. He he was the kid that uh, Hank Hill. Never, he never wanted his son to be that guy. he wanted his son to be like a football player yeah or like the cool kid or the guy that was into propane propane and propane accessories <laughs> yeah bobby yeah um but bobby he wanted to be a comedian he wanted to do all these other things and you know um it, it, it was just one of those things that Hank Hill could never get behind any of the things that he was passionate about mm-hmm. and um I, you know, and to a certain extent, I I understand where Bobby's coming from because it's like, you know, he wants to do his own thing. <laughs> My parents never supported any of the stuff that I wanted to do. So yeah, a lot of parents have like expectations for their kid, and then usually, most often, the kid wants to do something different. Yeah, and I think it's actually pretty normal for parents to not want their children to pursue the arts because it's so risky. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, Bobby resonates with me. But um, Hank Hill, although he wasn't always supportive, he still seemed like a pretty good father who wanted the best for his... um, For his child. For his, yeah, his family. Yeah, Yeah. and then all the other side characters were hilarious. Luann, uh, who was voiced by... The late Brittany Murphy was awesome. And then there was Dale and <laughs> Broomhauer. <laughs> yeah, I could never understand anything he's saying. Uh, I, one of the uh, uh, more funny parts of the show, I thought, was, um, you know, Joseph was the son of Dale, right? But he was really the son of John Redcorn. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Did, you, did you know that? Uh, I don't think so. So John Redcorn was like the big muscular, like uh, Native American. Oh, that guy, okay, right? And so you you look at Joseph Dale's son, and you know his skin tone is completely different. He has darker skin and everything, and um, he totally does not look like he would be the son of uh, of Dale. But you know, of course, the show reveals that his wife, you know had an affair with John. Uh, I think I remember that episode. Now that you bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. There's also an episode where they play a Ju- Judas Priest song, I remember. Judas Priest. No, yeah. No, no. There, there was a lot of rock songs. Mm-hmm. You know, there was um, an episode where it shows Hank's cousin. It's his brother or cousin is in ZZ Top. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then uh, he never told anyone because he was kind of ashamed of having them as family members, right? Because uh-huh. uh, he thought that they were like very inappropriate and things like that. And um, they came to visit him while they were doing a, shooting a reality show. And the reality show became about the ZZ Top members trying to annoy Hank Hill as much as possible uh-huh. to get an angry reaction out of Hank Hill. 
And so they just had nothing but clips for that reality show of Hank Hill just losing his mind every time they played a prank on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, they actually in- included quite a bit of, like, rock culture um, in that show. It's kind of spread out, mm-hmm. but it was in there. Yeah. Well, that's what living in the South was kind of all yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they did have, like, a Asian family there. Uh <laughs> Trust me, they were caricatures of Asian families. You know, and I think there was a time in my life where that would have kind of bothered me. But, you know, the more I watched that show, I was just like, this is a show that mocks the culture of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's quite funny when I thought about it that way. I mean, it was really kind of mocking the culture of, like, you know, uh, Texas and Texas but, white people <laughs> yeah things like that so I was just like well you know everyone everything's on the table you know you can't just pick and choose which ones bother you as long as you're laughing at the entirety of it you're good and I I really like that show and I'm I'm wa- I think I'm watching season 10 right now oh, okay yeah are you going in order um you know I I kind of picked somewhere in the middle I think um I started off watching season eight. I didn't want to go all the way to the beginning. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> but, like, the animation, everything, the voices. You know how they're trying to find their footing in the beginning with every show? The first few episodes are always kind of like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. Because you know the characters as who they are now, right? Mm-hmm. But you see, even you see this in The Simpsons, you know, you see the very beginning of The Simpsons. Sometimes the best episodes are in the first season, though. Like uh, with Family Guy, some of like the funniest stuff was like in season one. Yeah, now that's um, one. I think they lasted for three seasons and then they got canceled. So that's one of the shows that gained a cult following. And then they brought it back. And they brought it. But I agree with you with Family Guy. I think the first three seasons were very good. And then SpongeBob, like the first two seasons were like... (laughs) SpongeBob is one of the best kids... I say kids very loosely because I don't (laughs) always think it's a kids television show. But I started watching it while I was in my... 20s because i think it came out while i was like when when do you know what when the release date was for spongebob uh, was? it was like 1994 or early 90s i, I think, think. It's, i think it had to be like late 90s or mid 90s or late 90s because i remember seeing like commercials for it like like they were promoting it as like a new show mm-hmm. and i was like what the heck is this because it looked very weird yeah and so I think, yeah, mid to late 90s would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, great show. Great show. All the earlier episodes were good. The later episodes were good. I just I just thought it was hilarious. I mean, SpongeBob being this happy-go-lucky guy who's mm-hmm. happy to be a fry cook at the... <laughs> the Krusty Krab. Crab, and then you got... I mean, these are tropes that have been done throughout time just in sitcoms. You got that the greedy manager who just thinks, thinks about, about money, money all the time. You got the, uh, the idiot the, friend. The Patrick. cranky neighbor. The Squidward. cranky. <laughs> Dude, Squidward's my, one of my favorites. Because of how cranky he is and how much of a snob he is, because 
he gets like very like snobby and snooty and arrogant about the arts. He's into arts and playing the clarinet and stuff like that. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it's great writing. It, it's totally entertaining. Have you seen the meme that like the older you get, the more you relate to Squidward? <laughs> oh god! Oh gosh, that's dude. <laughs> I feel like him all the time now. I know, right? I feel like when, him when all you're a kid, you like uh, feel like SpongeBob, but then yeah, I, I'm at the gym. Like you know, I was talking to one of my gym buddies the other day. And, you know, there's a bunch of, like, young 20-something-year-olds or 19-year-olds working out at the gym. And I hear them speaking to to each other, right? And they're like, oh, bruh, bruh. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, um, what, what is, a but, they say stuff like bussin' and, <laughs> look, look, this is how I know I'm old. Because I know... At one time, I had some old slang that I used when I, I was their age. Are they like, you busting some weights, bro? <laughs> well, no, I mean, all gym guys talk like that. <laughs> no, but, but like, there's this, like, way they speak, and they rotate the same words into their vocabulary over and over and over, and it just doesn't stop. So it, it seems like they don't have a lot to say except for those few words. Mm -hmm. And I get it. So I was really, I was like, man, these guys sound like idiots. I said, if you want to be somebody that's respectable, you have to speak like a respectable human being. You can't just keep throwing these same slang words around over and over again. But then I thought about it. I was like, no, I'm just old. I'm just old. It's okay for you to talk like that when you're 18, 19 years old. It's fine. It, they think it's cool. It's it, it, it's not cool. It's idiotic. It's, just, it's, it's what you do. You know, eventually you'll realize it sounds stupid, right? Yeah. But it's when you see people that get to a certain age and... You, I'm like, oh, you're done evolving. If you, if you're still talking like that, with with the same, like three, four words in your vocabulary over and over and recycling them at the age of like twenty eight, twenty nine. I'm sorry, there's not much hope left for you. You either decide at one point in your life that you're gonna start speaking in a way that's respectable. Or you're done. And don't get me wrong. I do talk like an idiot a little bit more around my buddies. But it's not completely engulfed in that type of talk. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's there's a time and a place. And for if we're being silly, yeah. Yeah. We're going to throw around some stupid slang. But it, sometimes you could tell, oh, this is, this is just how you speak in general. Mm -hmm. Now I sound judgmental. Sorry. Well, you're Squidward. That's embracing Squidward. I am, I, I am Squidward now. <laughs> I am Squidward. What am, what, what am I going on about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not like I speak like some scholarly man or something like that. You know what I mean? But um, 
Again, going back to your point, I am Squidward now. Yeah, exactly. I definitely am. But, um, yeah, I'm in the middle of my third feature film production called yeah, The yeah. Guard Room. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that film and uh, how did it inspire you and what is it about? Um, so it's about a security guard who works the graveyard shift at this creepy warehouse district and... Um, she gets trained by this like employee who like doesn't give a crap about the job. And then strange things start to happen. And then it, there's kind of like this mystery element that um, we're trying to figure out as the film progresses. Okay. So, and the film was um, inspired a lot of, uh, from my own experience from working security mm-hmm. because the first day I was trained, I was kind of trained by this guy who, like, didn't really give a crap about the job. And so, and then there's some, like, real-life encounters that I incorporated into the script. So there's a lot that pulls from reality. And so it was kind of fun writing this film because it was kind of like figuring out how to incorporate those, like, real-life experiences into a story right now i mean you so you've written and directed quite a few films i mean in, in your younger days you did a lot of experimental stuff a lot mm-hmm. of uh short films and things of that nature um over time have you figured out like a process that works for you when it comes to writing because i i've written and directed my own short film as well mm-hmm. and that one came out pretty naturally and I wrote it fairly quick and just because the ideas just came to me but as I started embarking my journey on writing other films I just kept running into writer's writer's block block, and Mm -hmm. I just can't get past these blocks so you've completed a lot of uh film scripts how do you get through those blocks um I think it just kind of comes naturally like i figured out my my own process because everyone i think has their own kind of writing process Mm -hmm. so um usually when i'm out walking or working out or whatever i like to run ideas through my head and so i do that a lot so like i'm always coming up with like oh that would be like a cool idea or a cool scene Now, when that comes up, do you write it down or do you just mentally? I mean, like, um, if it's something cool, I'll kind of just think about it and kind of rerun it through my mind. Um, I do have like kind of a note in my phone where I keep like basic concept ideas down. So I think I have like 15 different like concepts and then. Yeah, so, like, when it comes time to, like, write the film and put it on paper, that's when it can, you can run into roadblocks because um, you might have the beginning down, right? But then you're like, how do I bridge the beginning and this part in the middle that I know? And then you you either write the part in the middle and then you have to go back and connect it or you, you... have to like knock out that scene that connects them right right. so wow yeah i mean this 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 is exactly what i'm talking about like 
I'll come up with a premise, uh-huh. and that general premise will it'll sound really good, right? So, I think I have a general idea of what Act One and Act Three will look like. Yeah, <laughs> Act Two is the hardest because you have to somehow, especially when you have several characters in motion, right? Mm-hmm. Act two is the hardest to write, man. That's that's where I have the most trouble because a lot of times w- when I have a film idea, I have an idea of how I want it to start and how I want it to end. Like, I, I know okay. what the grand finale is going to look like, right? Usually the ending is one that people get stuck on too. Like, they'll have the film, but then they're like, how do I end this? You're right. I, you're right. Because I'm stuck on one of the endings as well too. But... um. My whole thing is like, okay, so I, I'm in the middle of writing like a feature length uh, script. Cool. No, I'm, I say that very loosely because I've been trying to write this script for years, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I got up to like 30 pages, right? So you have the first 30. Yeah, yeah okay. I got the first 30 pages. I've been on the first 30 for years because I, I, I basically abandoned it because I was, but it's still in my uh, cell text, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually read it. I, I forgot most of it for the longest time. And I, I just read it. And um, I, I, I liked it, actually. I mean, there's a few things I would change about it. But what had happened was I, I started typing in and creating, like, more characters to, to you know, let this film kind of evolve and introduce all these people that might be key players in the game, right? Uh-huh. Um, but then I, I started thinking, okay, these characters, they got to all mean something. They all got to play a part, and they all got to be a part of this grand finale I have in my mind. And now I'm just trying to connect all the dots in a creative and interesting way. And it's so hard for me because here's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not like an expert or anything, right? Here's where I feel like... a a lot of filmmakers screw up, especially indie filmmakers and, you know, people. Yeah, a lot of indie filmmakers, a lot of short filmmakers. I think what they they get wrong is they come up with something that sounds interesting to them. Mm-hmm. And, and it becomes so personalized that they don't even think about the entertainment value. You know, they, and then it becomes just very self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is the finished product ends up just being a boring film. Like, it, sometimes it doesn't even have an act one, two, and three. Sometimes it's just like, what was that? You just, I mean, I know that some of this seems personal to you, but where's the creative edge? Where's the entertainment yeah. value? Where's the part where we want to know what happens next, you know? And where's the conclusion? It's gotta be you gotta have some story, storytelling like elements in there. Right, right. I mean, but do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. Um, I think that's a problem a lot of mumblecore films have. Is that? Wait, what? What is that? I don't know that. Okay, uh, mumblecore is a genre of like indie film that's very um, it's kind of improv a lot of the time, and it's about like characters struggling through life (laughs) or struggling dating or whatever and um yeah it's like very 
low budget, like, you know, you would film it here in your bedroom and we would just kind of improv a scene and be like, oh, I need to date, well, whatever. <laughs> so it's, um, the goal of the genre is to make it as like close to real life as possible, I think. You know, I, I, and I could see that working. I could, I, I really could. I could, I could see a film completely being improv with like some general constructs around what's happening. And like, I think mm -hmm. as a writer, you should pull from your life experience because that's going to make the film feel more real. Mm -hmm. But then you know, you need to know how to take that and then make it entertaining. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is where I feel like people, people really mess up. And look, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm perfect in that sense, but I'm always considering the audience. I'm always considering them. And then like, I know certain stories are, are interesting to me in my own personal way, but there's certain things I, I won't talk about with people like, I'm I'm into body weight calisthenics, you know that that that's that sort of stuff. I'm not gonna sit and have a conversation with somebody. You don't about. have a script about body weight calisthenics in the works. Yeah, I mean that's kind of redundant because body weight exercises is calisthenics. But yeah, I mean, um, but no, I don't I don't talk about calisthenics with people that are not into it. I mean, even the people in the gym are barely interested in talking about it. So I only talk about it when people ask me about it, you know, I'll post up a video on Instagram or something like that, but I'm not going to sit and have a conversation with just anybody about it. I'm certainly not going to make a film about it, you know? Um, yeah, like in the guard room, like even though some moments are based on reality, like I've kind of exaggerated some elements and... <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Tricks some things, yeah, to make it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have... Look, some people say things like, Oh, this movie, there, this would never happen, and that person, the, nobody would behave that... Look, if it's completely rooted in reality and how people would behave in real life, it's going to be a boring movie. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's just not going to be fun. Look, I know people that watch... MMA and then they watch like the fights in, for fight choreography in film they say oh my god that's so fake I'm like real life fighting is messy okay <laughs> if I want to see that I'll watch the UFC but in film things need to look pretty I'm sorry it just needs to look good you know and if, if it's going to be a little sloppy you want to know it's because it's meant to be sloppy. It's meant to be like those guys don't really know how to fight. So it's going to look a little bit messier. Mm -hmm. But like I like watching John Wick dodge 50 bullets and kill 300 guys in a row. I know that's not realistic, but it's entertaining. Yeah, like films are kind of like escapism. Exactly. For, yeah, they're supposed to be fun. And like um, if... You can make a film that's really dark and really based in reality. Yeah. And if that's what you want to do, then I respect that. But Yeah. I mean, and look, uh, I there's certain genres that I'm just really not into, mm -hmm. but I'm one thing I will not say though. So, for example, don't kill me. I'm not a Star Wars fan, okay? I'm not a Star Wars fan. But 
The amount of work and talent that it takes to make Star Wars, I admire it. Mm -hmm. Like, look, there's certain genres of music I don't like. I don't like your genre of music. You like what? Metal? Metal? (laughs) I mean, I I listen to a lot of genres, but metal is the... Yeah, so like... like, One of the main ones. Metal, it's, it's not my cup of tea, but those guys are really talented. But it just doesn't... You know, it's just not something that uh, sounds particularly appealing to my ears, right? right? It doesn't but, hit you in the right way. Right, yeah. right. That doesn't mean they're not talented. But, um, like, again, like, you know, shows like Star Wars where everything's, it's super, super science fiction. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so out there that I can't get into it, you know? Um no, like, I feel like if you put the effort in whatever you're, you're doing, it will show through. So, like, yeah. you, if you're making, like, this film that's based on reality and it's, like, you put a lot of time and effort into yeah. making it as good as possible, I think... Yeah. yeah. Like, even if that's not your genre, you... Right, right. And, look, but I do make some exceptions. Like, um, I've followed the X-Men franchise, like, all of it. I've watched all of it just because I used to read X-Men comic books when I was a child, right? Mm-hmm. So it's something that, you know, carried over to me as an adult. So I just kept watching all the X-Men movies. And I think uh, I think that's kind of where I make my exception. But uh, even as I've gotten older throughout the years and stuff, I've, I, I watch very, very few superhero movies unless they're part of X-Men or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I can't remember the last Batman movie I watched. I can't remember the last DC movie I watched. I think I, I watched all the Avengers. Um, but even the Avengers movies, I kind of barely like it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I like films that are a little bit more rooted in reality. That's why I like, uh, I like gangster films, you know? And, um, you know, if it's a little exaggerated version of reality, like the Equalizer, I still enjoy it, you know, but like people flying around and doing, you know, those type yeah. of things, it's, <laughs> it's kind of lost its appeal to me, too. And also, like, the amount of CGI out there now, it's 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 a little too much. Now, because now it's just like, I can't get away from my mind just thinking of them in front of a green screen on, on like, wires. and yeah. That's why it's cool, like, when you see um, films that do a lot of practical effects. Right. Because right. um, even if you can tell it's, like, practical, it still feels more real because it's, like, actually happening right. in front of the camera. Yeah, like, for example, like, um, Quentin Tarantino, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't use too much CGI, does he? No, he doesn't. And then um, Oppenheimer, I think he's the... Yeah, he said <laughs> there was not a single shot of CGI in that film. I could tell. <laughs> Did you watch Oppenheimer? I have not seen it yet. It's, look, maybe it's too highbrow for me, but it was a good film. Don't get me wrong. So, But the pace of the film and how long it was, I mean, the pace was insane on this film. Uh-huh. And it goes... Back and forth, the timeline is not consistent. So I started seeing a pattern after a while. Like when it was black and white, it uh, was 
showing somebody else's point of view when it was in color it was showing somebody else's point of view and it, it kept going back in time to current back in time to current and then uh the the pace of the dialogue and everything was just insane mm-hmm. and so that's the kind of film i would have to watch it two three more times and i might one day you know just decide to watch it a second time then a third time because i think it's a film that deserves that and towards the end of the film, I think it dovetailed nicely into how all these characters played a part in this film, mm-hmm. right. right? So I think it wrapped everything up real well, even if you didn't understand it, you know, from the beginning and the middle. And But towards the end, it, it really started to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, as far as entertainment value goes... Not my favorite Nolan film. I'm sorry. It's just like it's probably real low for me for Nolan films. But one of my coworkers, he told me it's the greatest Nolan film he's ever seen. How how was the uh, explosion? Did it look good? <laughs> dude, look, look, check this out. I watch, dude. I watched this in IMAX 70 millimeter. Uh-huh. Okay, so. It doesn't get any better than that, okay? I thought I was going to be blown away by this film. I'm like, it's a movie with a bunch of dialogue. You don't need that. Like, it's just, I could have watched that on my television and got the same Yeah. I know people are going to, like, judge me for that. They're like, he doesn't know anything. He's an idiot. I think, yeah, they had to, like... Figure out how to recreate the atomic bomb explosion because they used like an actual. Explosion. No, but they, it's it's not going to show you what it thinks it's you think it's going to oh, show okay. you. It's not going to show like. You'll see what I mean. Okay. It's it's, it's it was very anticlimactic for me. Put it that way. As far as that goes, I love like. Some of the um, raw effects they used to create. A feeling. Mm-hmm. I, love I love that because you could tell, um, you know, uh, Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer was uh, was very. He was in this very complicated spot, especially after what had happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, who wouldn't feel? Yeah. yeah. It, 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 in that way, the the acting was brilliant. brilliant I'm sure every person in that film delivered. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt. Um, uh, uh, who else was in there? Um, I think uh, uh, Florence Pugh was in there. Yeah, it was it, brilliant, brilliant acting. Um, that's all I can say. I just I'm just gonna say that it's not my favorite Nolan film. Just because I couldn't keep up with it, maybe. Maybe I'm too stupid to keep up with that. Well, his his scripts are always like filled with right, right. Well, it was details. It, it was hard to just keep up with the pace of it and like what what was happening at what time and so on and so forth. But it is a film that deserves to be watched and deserves to be watched several times yes. because there was a lot of hard work that was put into that film. Um, the dialogue is incredible, um, and the 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 chemistry between 
all the actors in the film was bar none, some of the best I've seen. Just, it, I gotta admit though, it, it lost me at times. I was just like, yeah. at, at, a, at certain times, like, I was thinking, all right, let's get to it. Come on. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But it, Every bit of dialogue in there is very deliberate. So it was just me being impatient for a very long movie mm -hmm. that was more of like a, you know, a, a, a biopic piece, I uh, guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break oh. to switch out yeah. the battery. But uh, yeah, so we'll be right back after this break. back from break so um so yeah. we just got done talking about oppenheimer Oppenheimer, and then um As do you want to hear about some of my first short films yeah yeah let's talk about it yeah <laughs> okay. tell me about them um so let's see i guess you could say like one christmas when i was 10 i got like a video camera mm -hmm. as like a present and I thought it was, like, the coolest toy ever. How old were you? I think I was, like, 9 or 10. Whoa. Man, Whoa. I, Wait, your, your parents got you a video camera? Uh, yeah, it was a video camera that, like, I don't know if you remember the mini DV tapes you had to put in. Like, <laughs> you recorded yeah, on tape. Yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah. And so... Man, you're spoiled. Getting a video camera at, at such a young <laughs> age. Man. <laughs> but, yeah, it was cool because I remember just, like walking around and filming the house and be like, whoa, this is so cool. Because, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then, which had cameras on it. So, like, recording video was, like, this new thing. And so um, then I started making, like, little puppet shows with, like, my stuffed animals. Okay. And then I think, like, some of the, like, early short films, like, I didn't even edit it on a computer. Like, we did in-camera editing. <laughs> So, like, we had to, like, shoot it in order, and then if you messed up, you'd have to, like, rewind the tape and then hope you stopped the tape in the right place. So sometimes, like, when you would watch it, there would be, like, a blue screen or, like, a hell take or something. But um, I think one of my first short films we made was a parody of, like, the Saw movie. and it Oh, my gosh, that's pretty dark for a nine-year-old. Well, this was got this is a few years later, like when I was in junior high and high school. Okay, okay. But uh, it was called uh, Pikachu Sleepover. Pikachu Sleepover. Okay, tell me about Pikachu Sleepover. What? The, the kind of joke was like instead of Jigsaw, we had we had this like Pikachu stuffed animal we would put, <laughs> and like um he would make you do like these tasks related to like sleepovers and eating food. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 rewind that back. He would make you do what for sleep? So, um, like, I think the first one we did is, like, somebody had to drink an entire, like, 12-pack of Pepsi. <laughs> you know... <laughs> 
So what, you're, you're, you're trying to kill somebody through diabetes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I think we did some episodes, like there was one where like we had to take like a soda shower. So like <laughs> we had this like two liter and we were like, oh. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Well, this was done with the puppets? Um, so Pikachu would be like on the TV screen and we would give him this like high-pitched voice. And he'd be like, if you want to survive the sweepover, then you will have to take the soda shower. Yeah. <laughs> and what is the soda shower supposed to do? Just make him feel really sticky afterwards? <laughs> you survived the game. That's a waste of perfectly good soda. And then uh, one episode, someone had to eat a whole like large pizza, you know. Well, that is something I will be willing to do. <laughs> I mean, and then I think there was one time like we had to cover ourselves in chocolate syrup. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh that's awful. It's pretty awful. I don't know. I don't know what young Michael was thinking back then, but okay. So you had, uh, you, but that's how you started like exercising those creative mm -hmm. muscles inside your brain. And then I got a job at the Cinemark movie theater. Okay. And uh, we had this inside joke with like um, the popcorn kettle cooker because they would like always burn you if okay. you weren't careful. So we decided to like make this movie called Attack of the Kettle. And mm. so this is like a homebrew <laughs> film. <laughs> and um, so I had like two like of my coworkers who were kind of into the joke. And then we just decided the role of this like idea of making this movie and it was really bad <laughs> well what was it about attack of the kettle so uh, this movie starts like the kettle has this magic seal on him and then someone accidentally like takes the seal off and the kettle comes to life and wants to like kill everybody <laughs> What kind of kettle are we talking about? Like a kettle and pot? Or like, you like, know that popcorn kettle at movie feeders? It's like the big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that thing comes to life? How do you how do you even do that? I mean, you got it moving around. I mean, like... So we had really bad flash animation. <laughs> like We took a picture of it, and we moved it around the screen, and it looks really... <laughs> And what is what does this kettle do? It, it hurts. It, it, it shoots like fireballs. Like fire. <laughs> it shoots fireballs. <laughs> Why don't you have it shooting popcorn or something that makes a little bit uh, more well, sense? You know, it was. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, like uh, here's what I would. Th I would think like shooting popcorn and then spraying like hot butter like all over everyone and just make it melt their skin like acid see if i was making it now i would think of stuff like like that but this is like when i was like 16 years old so, so one we had pikachu acting as jigsaw forcing people to take pepsi showers and then you have a kettle that shoots fire. Look, you look. You know what though? When I think about it, I'm not that surprised because if I look at like the catalog of films you've done from what I have seen, mm -hmm. you, you have, have always been super out there. I know, right? And 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 that, that that's the one thing I will say about you is you don't have too much 
outside influence on how you should write your stories or make films. You really just kind of go on your own path. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like all these films that I mean, you you explore some like are you doing shrooms when you think of these? No, <laughs> I'm not. That's just the way my mind works. Like because it, it totally reminds me of like like let's, let's say for instance can you imagine what was going through the minds of the guys who came up with Super Mario Brothers? Like, <laughs> what in the world? Uh, I mean, you, so, you some people just have that, like, way of thinking, because, like... Um, but, like, it's like you got these carpenters, right? Or, is that, that's what plumbers, like, yeah. Mario and Luigi, they're, like, plumbers or carpenters. Hidden blocks. Hitting blocks, jumping on... Like the what are they called? Goombas. Goombas. They're just mushrooms that walk around, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you have like turtles. Turtles. Like, when have turtles ever been a threat to people? You know what I'm saying? Like, and and sometimes turtles that fly. And um, when he eats a mushroom, he gets big. I mean, and uh, when he touches flower, he can shoot fire. Shoot fire yeah. Fireball. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's like one of the most fun, entertaining games I ever played as a child. And it's crazy because only as an adult did I question these The things. reality of that world. Yeah. Because like when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I didn't think about who came up with this. And this is this is what I think that's great about being a child is like you're just very accepting of things that defy reality. Yeah. You know? That's why you see cartoons and stuff and none of it makes sense, but it looks entertaining and it looks mm-hmm. fun and it looks, you know, I think that's the great thing about being a child is like you stretch the creativity beyond what reality confines you to. Uh, exactly. And so, and then the, the film after the kettle one was called Rainbow Colored Jellyfish, and <laughs> and um and that Rainbow Colored Jellyfish. <laughs> and that film, I was like, I'm trying to protect this jellyfish because like we make this like discovery of this rare animal, and then like all these like bounty hunters want to capture the jellyfish so they can like sell it on the black market or whatever because it's rainbow color yes okay well that makes a little bit more sense but um it's yeah it was like funny because he it's like i would hold the camera and film the co-worker my friend and then i'd be like okay you film me so like it just cuts wait back and forth how'd you get a rainbow colored jellyfish it seems like a little little stuffed stuffed animal animal, yeah was it rainbow colored yeah and it was a jellyfish (laughs) where do you get these toys look I think I got it from like a McDonald's Happy Meal, like when they had the Beanie Babies. Or, yeah. So, you know, it's 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 funny because you had me in one of your films as a guy that transforms into a lobster. <laughs> so it was less, less, It was like this is years ago. He had me play this guy that transformed into the stuffed animal lobster, right? And then I I looked back. And saw some of your really old photos. You had that lobster since like forever, right? Yeah, it was like I think it's from Maine when I took a trip out there as a kid. So, so you've had that lobster since you were 
a little kid. kid. Yeah. And you incorporated it into a film. What? Where'd you get the idea to make me a guy that turns into a lobster? Because <laughs> <laughs> that was from like the the let's play like skit we did. Um, because oh, it had to do with the game. Because yeah, like yeah. it was about transferring your mind into like something else. Oh yeah, and I transferred to an eagle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this, this is stuff I was involved in when I first met this guy. I was just like, I was thinking in my mind, uh, you know, and the thing is, I just want to be a part of the creative process, and I still do. But in my mind, I was like, like, where's this stuff coming from? And, you know, it's funny because you're laughing because you do know how ridiculous it is. But that's what makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, um, but then I, I, you know, I did look back at some of your older work and stuff. I was like, oh, this is kind of your mo. Yeah, like just like super out there ideas. So after that film, that's when I moved to California. So I think we had plans to make like a, a sequel to the Kettle movie, where it was like the Icy Machine. Oh, now the Killer Ice Machine. <laughs> so, but that never like became a thing and then i think that's when i made chocolate malady yeah Yeah. now you had to change the title of that film yeah it was supposed to be chocolate fever um so it was this was like kind of a very short film i made back in colorado because we had this like Mm -hmm. inside joke Mm -hmm. about like people don't share their chocolate so we kind of made like a short version of chocolate fever back in colorado so i kind of wanted to like remake it so when you made chocolate malady were you already in film school or or i think i was in de anza at that time which is like the the community college which is the first school i went to they have a film program program yes right Okay. okay and yeah um the guy there was like an offer of a book called chocolate fever and like he reached out to me and he's like you can't name your movie chocolate fever because i own that title and i was like dude it's like a short film you know more than one person can do you know how many films have the exact same title like it happens so but i was like whatever i'll just change it yeah and um it's a little cringy for me to watch (laughs) (laughs) It, it, it had its moments i did think it was pretty hilarious when there was like i think um so the film is about like this magical chocolate that like can hypnotize and like control whoever eats it, and so I use it to like control these girls to like make them do whatever I want, and then I run out of chocolate, and then they get crazy. Yeah, it, and you, you know what's funny? So you would think that I'm gonna use this chocolate to make them do whatever I want them to do, and and I see the footage. All they're doing is they're making him pizza, giving him Coke. <laughs> like, and not, I'm not talking about the sniff sniff Coke. I'm talking about Coca-Cola Classic. Because he's too lazy to get it out of the refrigerator by himself. Exactly. And so every time they, they like bake him a pizza or give him a Coca-Cola, he tosses him another oh, chocolate. Bar. And then eventually you run out of the And water. I run out and then that's like when they get creepy on me. And then they go start going crazy because they want more chocolate. Exactly. And you can't give it to them. I, I don't have any, so 
And at the end of the film, they like turn me into a Sunday. <laughs> How does they turn you into a Sunday? So I think like the last shot, I was like in the bathtub and I had like a few ice cream scoops on me. Mm-hmm. And then they, you just see them like holding some spoons mm-hmm. and then it like cuts to black. Okay. So it, it, that's what's implied, but. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I thought it was pretty funny because there's this one uh, scene where you are like laying on the couch and the girl gets you like a Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola uh-huh. and you, you just like toss a piece of chocolate at her. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's another one of your like out there ideas. And then another film made during that time was called Michael versus Miley. And it was this, like, I think the idea was that we were supposed to, like, parody, like, all the Disney Channel stars, like, Myrie Cyrus and, like, Selena Gomez and all the, all those people who were popular at that time. And so, um, we actually, it was funny when we did the auditions, we had the person who auditioned to, like, play Hannah Montana. They were, like, a party impersonator. So they would, like, go to parties and, like, pretend to be Hannah Montana. So she had, like, the wig and everything. And she was, like, pretty good in the audition. But then when she was on set, like, her acting skills, like, went away. And she was, like, really quiet. Huh. <laughs> That's, That's interesting. interesting. And, like, like... yeah. And, and no one in this film, like, could really act. Yeah. Because I, we didn't get a lot of people who were, like, I don't want to be, like, Selena Gomez. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, uh, there is, but now, I mean, there's a lot more resources to get actors and get mm-hmm. people to audition um, it, here in the Bay Area. But I'm sure back then you had limited resources yeah. to even find actors. So I don't, for the longest time, I'm sure a lot of people just had to cast their friends. And, Pretty much. You know, like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, in the film, I think the idea is that, like, I'm going to direct Hannah Montana, but she just wants to beat me up instead for some reason. And so I have to go to Selena Gomez to get her help. It just keeps getting better, folks. <laughs> and then, like, Hannah Montana, she gets, like, the Jonas Brothers, and then, like, the Jonas Brothers fight Selena Gomez. <laughs> it's the-, the Jonas Brothers <laughs> fight Selena Gomez. Dude, get out of here. <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, no. Again, very super out there but hey man it uh, these ideas they just randomly pop up in your head i was just like yeah so it's like a fun idea let's do it you know that that's hilarious and then but you know what i i I give you a lot of credit for actually just kind of running with these ideas you know because i know you know that this is going to come off a little crazy when you put it up right i know but (laughs) but the thing is like there's originality in it. As wild as it is, it's it, it's not run-of-the-mill stuff. Nobody's doing this stuff. Like, ever. Oh, that's what I want to do when like, I make a movie. Is like I don't want to make a film that you've already seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, 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 and it is one of those things where I feel like you know when you're making some of these films, like this is going to be very tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. You know, like we get it. Like, and the thing is, you have to be in on it. You know exactly. What I mean? to, because there's going to be, of course, there's going to be some people like, what is this? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I think 
after they see a couple of your things, like, okay, yes, that is crazy. That was the entire intention of it. Yeah. Whereas, like, when I write scripts, they are a little bit more, you know, day-to-day type scripts. um, Because mine are about relationships, just because um, the a lot of what my experiences are around relationships that I've experienced and all the good sides, the dark sides of it. And then my whole thing is to throw some sort of creative element to it to keep it interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, and then there was a film called Soda Religion. Soda Religion. Which is about one guy who really worshipped the Coca-Cola brand and then another guy who really worshipped the Pepsi brand. And then they, like... Fight each other, basically. So, <laughs> so there, there's somebody in the film community. I won't say his name, but I think he drinks like a few two liters of Coke every day. Uh-huh. And he he hates Pepsi. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, he would be on the Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah very much okay. so. He's expressed his hatred towards Pepsi several times on his Facebook posts. And... Um, but yeah, he is an avid Coke drinker. I I can't fathom how you can drink a couple two liters of Coke every day. I can't imagine that that would be good for you. Uh, it sounds like a lot of sugar and... Yeah, yeah. But you are a candy enthusiast. Let's, let's go there for a yeah, sec. Yeah. Or unless you want to keep talking about your films. But we could... Um, yeah, so there's, and then there was that one, and then there was one called Resident Girls Apocalypse, which is, um, about these, like, zombie anime girls that come after these characters, and they have to team up with the lobster, and the lobster, like, fights them. <laughs> okay, wait, did you actually get animation done in this one? It was, like, flash animation. For some parts, but then yeah, it would just be like the lobster was there, and then wait, he was. Wait, wait, so they were zombie girls or zombie anime girls? But zombie yeah, they were right. anime girls that are fighting a lobster, a crustacean. <laughs> That's what they are, right? Crustaceans. Yes. Oh God. Okay. And yeah, those are like the early short films, and then. I made two, like, kind of more serious projects. One was called Nature's Father. I think I saw that. That one's pretty dark, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that one's pretty And, yeah, that one's kind of about, like, a corporation that's trying to cut down nature and yeah. doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah. And l- l- let me ask you this. So um, your friend is an uh, – your close friend is a, a woman named – Holly. Yes. Yeah, Holly Lasso. I I met her on Chocolate Melody. That I think that was, that's that, how yeah, it that's happened. how she auditioned for that project. So. Whoa. So like, okay, so she auditioned to, for it, and mm-hmm. you thought, great actress. And Good then, fit. Yeah, for the role. And then from that point on, how did like, because you two are really close friends. You guys do everything yeah. together. I like, know. I like, think we just. Got along really well, so... Okay. okay. And then, yeah, like, I called her back for a few of our projects, and then... Okay. Yeah, we just kind of became good friends, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, and she's um, been on uh, 
some of Michael Fredinelli's films as well. Uh, she was in Justified Four. She's a really good actress. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, and um, was she? Is she in this current film? She is. Yes. She is. I think I saw some of the behind the scenes. She has. She's in the office scene that takes place. So. Yeah. Yeah. She was also in the office scene when I first well, went live. <laughs> so, oh, uh, I, I was in a film that uh, Michael shot within the last year. I think it's been the last year and a half or so. I think, yeah, we shot 2022. Yeah. That's yeah, when we yeah. shot most of it. And uh, it's, a, it's a, do you want to talk about the synopsis of this film? Uh, yeah, Scorned Waifu. It's about a guy who's really into dating his body pillow. His anime, like, waifu. Like, I'm... So, a waifu... Can you explain to them what a waifu is? So, a waifu is a fictional character. It can be from a... It's usually from an anime, but it can be for a cartoon, like a Disney princess or whatever, that you have, like, a crush on. And that you could wish you could date in real life. And so, in this movie, he's dating this, like, magical girl from this from this anime we made up for the film. And then uh, he finds a real girl today, but then the body pillow starts to get a little jealous and uh, comes to life and stuff and happens. Body, body pillow is like a terror throughout the film. <laughs> um, I play the father uh, of the the main character. Um, yeah. I play, I, play. I play David and he's... Um, I, I would say he's the kind of person that looks at life through rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. Would that be safe to say? I think that'd be safe to say. Yeah, like a supreme optimist. Yeah. Yeah. Who's very supportive of his son, but um, also a little blind, chooses to be blind to actual negativity that, you know, has fallen upon exactly. his family. So, um, which, you know... Too much optimism could be to our detriment at times. Yeah. yeah, I think you played really well off Deanna Kim, who plays the mom. Yeah. So, yeah. And that entire cast was amazing. Everyone was really good. Yeah, the chemistry uh, with the cast members, and um, we all got along so well. It was actually just a lot of fun to shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I can't wait to that till that comes out. Um, I know you're waiting on the animation. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it it's um <laughs> it's a pain painful process. Like it's painful and like it takes a time to like yeah. make two D animation. Oh, yeah, and and uh, yeah, she's working like she's doing everything on her own too. So it's like a lot of work to do. Because, you know, on, like, an anime, they have, like, yeah. 50 people. Yeah, anything with animation, I think, takes a little bit longer. I don't know how long it took for Michael Fredinelli to complete Desert Mirage. But I think it said two or three years. Okay, yeah, yeah, so it does take some time. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I know. <laughs> yeah, but go, going back, we're talking about candy, right? Because you made a lot of films... I mean, you're still a big fan of candy, right? Who isn't a big fan of candy? So, what what would you put like no particular order? What are like top five candy bars? You don't have to rank them. Or um, I would say I'm a bit more on the chocolate team than 
Okay, so some of your favorite chocolate. I really love Crunch Bars, Bunch of Crunch. Uh, okay. Free Musketeers is good. Kit Kats are good. Uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, tasty. Uh, Snickers can hit the spot. Okay, that's five. That's five. They're all of the chocolate family. Oh, uh, that's on the chocolate side. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's go to the other side. Um, the fruit, like the let's see, like like the, the fruitier, fruitier, the fruitier more candy. Um, probably Skittles. Okay. Starburst. Skittles, the one they're saying they're saying is cancerous now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's come out of the news. Or I don't eat them that much anymore, yeah. but as a kid, I like Skittles. I love Skittles. I love Skittles too. I mean, I have a T-shirt, a Skittles, a Skittles rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Airheads can be good. Are you an Airheads fan? I love Airheads. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Good one. Yeah, I, I I like more of that family of candy. So when I get candy, I usually don't get chocolate. I mean, I'll eat chocolate, but um, it's not gonna be my first choice. I'll always get, get like like the trolley candies. Uh huh. Or I'll get uh, a Haribo. Um, there's a mix that I really like. It's called the Fantastic Mix. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a a variety of the different uh, Haribo gummies. Ah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that one's super good. And uh, Airheads is good. Skittles, yeah. Those are those are all kind of like the family of candies that I do like. As far as chocolate goes. Chocolate for me is a lot based on texture. Uh -huh. So I like crunchy things. So I like Twix because I like caramel also, right? So I like Twix. I like uh, Kit Kat. Mm. And Caramello is just one of those ones I've loved ever since I was a kid. But I do find... The level of sweetness as I've gotten older is a little too intense for me now. Yeah, caramel is like that. Car the caramel in there is super, super aggressive. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think I don't know. I, I haven't had caramel in a very long time, but I did, however, enjoy it quite a bit. But yeah, Twix and uh, Kit Kat will probably be at the top for me just because they have that crunch in there. You know? Yeah. Good choices. Yeah. <laughs> Kit Kats are good. Like, yeah. I don't know if you go to Cold Stone, but if you put some Kit Kats in the ice cream, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, this is what I do at Cold Stone. I, I tell them, just get me the French vanilla um, and a bunch of cherries and Heath. Oh. And, and, like, Heath, I don't like alone as a candy bar just because, I don't know, it's a little too... It's it's not exactly crunchy, but it's a little bit more. It just breaks a lot easier, you know what I mean. But it does. I don't like the way it doesn't uh, break down as easy inside yeah. the mouth. But when you get it into tiny pieces, crushed up, and you mix it with ice cream and some cherries, you you get this like it almost has this like chocolate covered cherry toffee type 
taste to it and it's just phenomenal yeah nice. all right so i think the last thing we're going to talk about um we're going to probably use some stock music for our like theme music for the first few episodes but um what genre theme song do you think we should go for should it be poppy a hip-hop theme song um <laughs> Well, I know you'd want to go with metal. <laughs> no, no. Well, I was thinking like something poppy and kind of catchy. Well, I think just something that's easy on the ears. Exactly. Just kind of, poppy sounds okay. Nothing too cheesy, but um, I know Holly is a pretty good singer. I think uh, Holly and or Oga will be singing our theme song. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Uh. You know, if you want to run a few samples or whatever by me and just come up or you could just go with your own instincts i'm okay with it because we can always change the theme songs later exactly want to, but, but i mean like look, look this is our very first episode so we're we're, we're, we're going we're, to be it's a learning process <laughs> yeah yeah so we, there's going to be some experimental phases uh, along the way but uh, i think that's the fun part of it you know that's we're gonna get a lot of freedom to uh for all you know two or three of you viewers or listeners <laughs> that's how you learn how to make do anything is you just kind of gotta dive in and see what happens yeah yeah and i appreciate you you know coming all the way down here this is something that we talked about doing for about a year and a, a year half, and a half. Uh, but the thing is we always we we revisited the topic like maybe like you know twice a year or something like that but at a certain point i was like Dude, let's just let's just set do a it. Date. Let's commit. Let's, let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's or it's never gonna happen. That's with everything. Yeah. And I know you're very good about that because you're extremely committed to finishing your films. Mm -hmm. So I I knew that this wouldn't be an issue for you to do because this is child's play compared to making a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why you know like the the thought of doing a podcast to some people would be very daunting. But for filmmakers, I know this is not. And that's why I, I that's another reason why I want to do it with you because this is very, you know, rudimentary compared to uh, like putting an entire movie together. Yeah. yeah, that's the fun thing about making a film is like in production, it's like you feel like you're getting your crew and you're yeah. going out like on an adventure. Yeah. And you're putting this thing together. Right. Right. And, and you know, cre creative, creatively, like I, I kind of want, the podcast to be like even before acting and it's weird to say that because i love acting but I, you know what i like doing more i just like talking i like having conversations well you, you get to do both in acting and podcasting yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> so i i kind of want to make this like my number one focus even before acting just because uh it's it's always been something i wanted to do acting is it's very gratifying in many other ways but um, a podcast is, I, I think it's, it just feels so natural to me. And yeah, there's a lot of fun stories and stuff that goes behind like filmmaking. So like yeah. getting a chance to like talk to different people and like hear yeah, their... Absolutely. And between the people, the network of people that we have, I mean, we know a lot of the same people. So, um, I think we're going to have some really yeah, good I think it's going to be a good podcast. Yeah. Um, 
So today is actually the first day of fall, so pretty good day is to... It, is it really? Yeah, and, uh, the solstice or the equinox, I think, happened like at 11 o'clock last night, so... I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, first day of autumn. Okay. So pretty good activity to do on your first day. What do you think? I'd say so. I'd say so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I can't wait to start booking guests, and uh, I we we love to keep you guys entertained. Yeah, we're talking more. We're shoot picking up shooting on the guard room next Wednesday. Oh, so. oh sweet! Right on. right on. Is it who? Guess which number. cast members? Uh, that night it's gonna be Olga and Mary Bell. Okay, I, re I remember Mary yeah. Bell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, right on. Hey, thanks for joining us today on our very first episode. Uh, th there will be more to come. to come, so uh, just stay tuned. All right, we'll see you next time. Thor and the Boy is brought to you by Magical Hammer Productions. Our producer is Boynton Pyatt. This podcast is edited by Michael Fordarson. Thanks to our music tracks. Our intro track is Next Steps by Half.Cool and our ending music is Honky Tonk Jazzy Theme created by Freedom Trail Studio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for the next episode.